Are you in the mainline area and redoing your kitchen? Podcast and Schmodcast. You better call Paul and make an appointment. Hey, Eric, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. How are you? Good. So welcome to Calls with Paul. Okay, let's see. I, I like Better Call Paul better, if that's okay. Better Call Paul is actually taken by somebody. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Which is why we don't really call it Better Call Paul. So I like the layout of the kitchen. The only thing I would say is that it looks like this is the Lazy Susan. You, you, the one thing that you don't really have in this kitchen is, I guess you have two rollout trays, but you don't really have a pots and pans cabinet. Yeah. Well, if you move, I was wondering if it was like the one next to um, the range where the Mm -hmm. hood is or the peninsula itself. There's a wide 36 inch cabinet. Yeah, you could turn that 36 into pot to pots and pans cabinets. Yep. I would tell you when designers that work for me do it, I consider it a mistake when they design with a 21 inch or an 18 inch or a 15 inch wide three drawer base like a three drawer base that they've got that's 21 inches wide nobody needs deep drawers for a 21 inch wide cabinet so a 21 inch wide cabinet the inside of the drawers are five inches less so you take 21 you subtract five you got 16 inches so now if you hold your hand out 16 inches what are you putting in two deep drawers? I mean, I know you can put cutlery and knives and spatulas and all kinds of stuff in the top drawer. The top drawer is no problem at all. You can have tinfoil, saran wrap, all kinds of stuff with the top drawer. But who needs a 15-inch wide and you know, very more than one or in a kitchen? It's really the size of a bread drawer. So anything that you're going to be putting in there Either it's going to be deep or you're just going to be piling stuff upon stuff. So mm-hmm. you, that's why a big pots and pans cabinet is wide enough that you can put the pots in or the lids in and, and sort of, you know, stack them up. It's not so bad because they're really big things. But that designer is only leaving this 21 inch wide cabinets with the three drawers. So you got these all of these 16 inch wide interior drawers that are very deep. So it doesn't really make any sense. But you know? Paul, is, is it maybe um, to the left of the range, put another like nine or 12 inch cabinet? I'm not sure the width of that. And then that'll yeah. allow for a wider. Yeah. So um, if you're looking at that yep. with, let's go here. One, two, two, two. So that cabinet is a 21 and a 24. So you got 45 inches. So for 45 inches, you could have a, you know, a lot of different ways to do a 45 inch space. You could have a 36 inch wide pots and pans drawers and another nine inch cabinet on the side. And then you could maybe make one of the nine inch cabinets on one side, uh, a cookie sheet and tray cabinet and make the other nine inch cabinet on the other side of the stove. I think the nicest thing there would be a, um, they're called like a stair get steel utensil pullouts. So they have yep. like a bin, a steel bin that's on top. 
that you keep whisks and spatulas and spoons so you don't have one of those things on top of your countertop with all of those things. And then underneath, you can keep cooking oils and things like that. So you'd have that one pull out on one side of your stove, the other one on the other. And then me personally, I would change the 21-inch drawer base from a three-drawer base to a four-drawer base. Then you'd have one deep drawer on the bottom and then three thinner drawers. And the one deep drawer on the bottom could be your junk drawer, could be a bread drawer, but the three thinner drawers, one the thin drawer on top, could be the spatulas or whatever. Then you could have saran wrap, something like that. Then you could have a yeah. whole bunch of other stuff. But the four drawer bases are usually more functional for a 21 inch wide cabinet. But so if you wanted it to be 20, if you wanted it to be a three drawer base, it can be a three drawer, it can be a three drawer base. I just think people don't realize how deep and narrow the drawers are. And then you find out that this, it doesn't work. You know, it depends on what you're storing. Like some people might have a whole bunch of, I don't know, if you were putting canned goods in it, you could stack them too deep or I'm not, I'm not sure what you're going to do with it. It's just two deep drawers that aren't that wide. Yeah, and so you're referring to the cabinets on the right? The cabinet, the range? Right, yeah, the one on the right of the range is a 21-inch yep. drawer base. And also the one right now, two over on the left of the range, is also a, a three-drawer 21-inch drawer base. Yeah, so you think so, the one on the left of the range becomes um, more of an open cabinet for... Well, that, that became... Minutes. Yeah, that became a 30, a 36 inch pots and pans drawer base. Pots and pans yep. work better in drawers than it, having rollouts inside the cabinets a lot of the Got times. It. And because and, the rollouts aren't very tall. So if you put pots and pans on it, you pull the rollout and everything falls out onto the floor. So a deep drawer base works best. Sometimes people make two drawer bases. So if the if the brand of cabinets that you're using has a two drawer base, you could have one three-drawer base to the left of the stove and another two-drawer base for really deep things in your peninsula. Yeah. Even if you did one with rollouts, that's good too. It's good to have at least one pots and pans drawer base in your kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. The other thing is, I mean, there's a toss-up too about how you want to do it. There's different ways to do it you've got your trash can on the end of your peninsula. So when your trash can's on the end of your peninsula, it's the most accessible to you when you're at the peninsula, when maybe you're working there. It's easy for people that are coming from the dining room area or the, the kitchen table area to be able to get to that double trash can pull out. But for people that might be scraping stuff off in the kitchen sink or cleaning stuff at the kitchen sink, a lot of times the trash can is better at the, to the right of the kitchen sink. So, and that's, the, and that's what we have two trash cans really in that design. Um, oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. That was my brilliant idea. I was very proud of that, actually. I, okay. I figured one well, would be a better spot and one's more of a cleanup spot, right? Yeah. That works very well, too. And one can be that the 18 is a double, so that can be recycling. And even the 15 that you have. To the right of your sink, I don't know if you've picked the sink out yet, but your sink cabinet, it looks like you got a filler, a one-inch filler to the right of the sink cabinet, and then that's a 15-inch cabinet, 
And then mm -hmm. if your sink is the actual sink that's listed here, which is 20 inches by 31, that 31 inch sink only needs a 33 inch sink base, even though somebody might tell you otherwise. It really only needs okay. a 33 inch sink base, in which case you could have the 33 inch sink base flip the filler to the other side and then make the 15 inch another double trash can pull out. Yep, I see what you're saying. So make the so, smaller, make the trash can bigger. A three inch trash can unit only holds a single trash can, or you actually it can hold a it can hold a double, but there'll be 27 inch trash can units, and it will be a, a sort of a little bit flimsier metal pullout. You can get a yeah. solid wood, really nice pullout for a double 35 quart trash can in an 18 inch cabinet like you have on the end of your peninsula. So if yeah. you made your sink cabinet a little bit narrower and then move the filler over to the dishwasher area, or let me do the math here. You got 140 inches across. Yeah, so you're not, you're not gonna get, no matter what you do, you can't get like another lazy Susan into the other corner. You're gonna have yeah. a, a blind, you're gonna end up with a blind cabinet or a dead cabinet there. Yep. Yeah. And then that has a, it says BBC 48R, and then it's CRW. Is that some kind of pullout unit inside the blind cabinet or something? It is. It's kind of, it's it's an apparatus inside. It's like an accessory that allows you to, to put, it's like a shelf that kind of swings out, I guess. Uh-huh. So um, just to warn you about that cabinet, that. Yep. First off, that swing out unit, I'm sure is costing you more than five hundred dollars. Um, oh, is it? Okay. And then secondly, it looks okay to me, but a lot of these swing out units need a lot of space. And so they don't work when you have any kind of appliance that sticks out more than like a regular cabinet door would. So sometimes when the, the swing out mechanism comes out, they could hit the dishwasher. They could hit your oven cabinets when they, your oven, double ovens when they come out. I think you're safe yeah. in your design, but certainly if your ovens were a range instead of double ovens, then you couldn't do it. Then if the swing out thing was one that swung out in that direction, you would hit something. If I don't know which kind of swing out you have, it says a CSW corner. It all depends on how that swing out works, whether or not it's going to hit the dishwasher door or hit the ovens. But I think you're okay. But in my mind, I'd rather have, you know what, there's always a bunch of crap that you never use, like a bread maker or a wok or something like that. Save yourself yep. 500 bucks, stuff it all in the back corner because you're never going to use it and put the stuff that you're going to use right up front. Now you open the door to that cabinet. You have everything that you need right up front. And the stuff that you never use goes in that one blind spot. And, I like that a lot. And by the way, that when the thing swings out, when you figure out how much of that inside of the cabinet you're actually using, those swing out things have to pass through the opening of the door. So because of that, they usually waste about 40% of the overall cabinet space that you would have yeah. had. So you get more space and you save 500 bucks if you, you do it simply. 
But other than that, you know, this is a good design. Although I don't, I can't see where you're eating, right? So it's not included in the, in the, at least what I'm looking at here. So. Yes. Where the peninsula is, that's now currently a wall that on the other side is the dining room. We're knocking Mm -hmm. that wall out. So we'll have an overhang. Um, The depth of it, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head. In this picture, it looks like your overhang is more than a foot, which you probably wouldn't do because if you're going to have a wall in back of your cabinets, if that's to give yourself a little bit more space, you're not going to have it be two levels, are you? No, we were going to go one level. One level is much better because two levels is too high to serve off of. So as a one level thing, you can tuck the stools in and people could be, you could be serving your dinner right on that on your peninsula the people that are going to the table you know i would tell you that with our company when you design somebody's kitchen you always have to show the whole room so if you're taking out that wall our designers have to show the dining room table so we can make sure that we're leaving you enough space for your dining room table and or that we're not wasting space so when you don't show the rest of the space Nobody has any idea. None of the designer himself has no idea what kind of distances he's leaving. It's sort of the lazy person's approach. Yeah. But, so, Paul, what, know, what is the recommended distance between the end of the back of the peninsula to like a dining room table? Then? So the end of the countertop to the dining room table should be 48 inches at least. Okay. We cheat sometimes and make it a little bit tighter and make it 45. If you get anything closer than 45, well, then certainly when somebody sits at the countertop, their back is usually about two feet in back of the countertop, unless they're scooting in to let somebody buy. But if they're sitting comfortably, their back is about 24 inches. So if someone was sitting at the table and someone was sitting at the island at the same time, and you left yourself 48 inches, their backs would be essentially touching each other, or the back of the person at the peninsula would be hitting the back of the chair of the person sitting at the table. But that doesn't really ever happen very often that anybody is sitting at both places at the same time. But if you do tuck the stools in, then you still, if you're leaving 48 inches, only have two feet to get in back of somebody that's sitting at the table to get through, right? So you can turn mm-hmm. sideways with two feet and get to the other side of the table. But if you're not leaving 48 inches, all of these things are really getting tight. Yeah. The other thing, too, is it's a big area. If you were getting too tight, you could make something a little bit smaller. You really don't even necessarily have to have the wall that's in back of the cabinets. That doesn't need to be a wall. That could just be a piece of plywood. And then you could overhang the countertop 12 inches. And then that's going to save you six inches if you just put a piece of plywood on the back of the island and or doors on the back of the plywood to make it more attractive. But you could just have it be a piece of plywood and just overhang a foot. What's the recommended distance um, of overhang? 12 12 inches. inches. 12 inches is recommended. Anybody that's six feet and under will be comfortable at a 12-inch overhang. If you're taller than six, well, it's funny, but different people have different length limbs. 
So I always use this as an example, but our, the engineer that edits our podcast is going to hear this and then he'll know I'm talking about him. But I have a friend <laughs> and he and his wife are whatever, seven inches difference in height, but their legs are both the same length. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember which who is who, but I think his wife has the longer legs. So she's got these long legs. So she would be that she would be, you know, even though he's over six feet, I think he, she would be just as likely to have problems sitting at a stool that was shorter than 12 inches. But if you're really tall, if you have longish legs, then you might want to make a distance deeper than 12. But once an overhang is deeper than 12, then you need brackets for your countertop to help support it. Yeah, we want to avoid that. Yeah, for sure. Well, the brackets don't have to be visible. There are kinds of brackets people can get that are flat cast iron bars that sit on top of the cabinets that get cut into the top of the cabinet and mounted, and they'll support a countertop. But it also looks a little funny from the side if the countertop is hanging out a really long distance, right? Yeah. I guess the other thing is you got blind cabinets in each corner of this kitchen, right? That's so, actually um, AZ Susans in each of those corners. Is that what you're referring to? <clears throat> no, in the bot in the in the bottom one corner you have a lazy Susan. Oh yeah. But yeah, the I wall cabinets that you have in this design are two blind wall cabinets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually we're trying to avoid blind cabinets. I would say with a wall cabinet, it's better to get a dead corner than it is a blind corner. It's like you're never gonna find even be able to reach that stuff all the way in the back of that corner. But you've got to your window, it says you've got 40 inches on one side to the window and 40 inches to the other side of the window. If it was me, I would put either an easy reach cabinet, which is a folding door cabinet in each corner, or I'd put an angle cabinet in each corner. And then you'd still have enough room for a 15 inch wall cabinet on each side. It's Putting a blind cabinet there is just the worst choice. The, um... Front, so that's towards the front of the house right now where the sink is mm -hmm. um, on that picture. Right now, that window's very big. This will be a new window. Okay. So um, it'll be a custom made window. And I wasn't sure about the, frankly, I wasn't sure about the size of the window, what we should do. And then okay. we were on a debate on how close the window can be to the cabinetry that's still balanced. So uh, it doesn't, window you, you know, your window can be as close as you want. You just don't want it touching. And you're going to have trim around this window, right? Yep. Yeah. So you want to account for the trim that you're getting. So when, when kitchen designers put a window in the picture, we're including the trim where we should be in, yep. in the measurements. So I'm just looking at the picture of your kitchen. Yeah, they have window trim around the window. So hopefully the width of the window, in this picture, it looks like the width of the window is, can't really tell. It doesn't tell me how wide this window is. Yeah, 60-inch window. Right now there's a 70-some-inch window there, which we're removing and putting new siding up in the whole nine And what size window are you putting in? Well, it's, it'll be a custom-made window, whatever we get. Um, mm -hmm. We wanted to make it as big as possible. So I, I had a question on like, well, I would say 
Yeah, I would say the perfect size would be to have a 15 inch cabinet on each side of the window. That way you can yeah. open the door when you're at the sink and have things accessible to you. So if whatever that was, if those were coffee cups on one side and spices on the other side, if you wanted it to be, or whatever yeah. you might want it to be, you want these doors to open so that you could open them in that direction. If you made the corners accessible, and then either that's a diagonal corner cabinet or that's a folding door cabinet, but whichever you pick, they're 24 inches wide. So we take your 140 inches and we subtract 24 on one corner, minus 24 on the other corner, minus 15 for a, a wall cabinet on one side, minus 15 on a wall cabinet on the other side, and we're left with 62 inches. I think it would be good to leave yourself two inches to spare, so minus two. That leaves you with 60 inches for the window, including the trim. Okay. So were you to get a window that had two and a half inch casing around it, which is the standard size window trim, a lot of times everybody wants to get big window trim, which is nice, but it's going to make your window smaller. So I would maybe yep. use two and a half inch casing. So then let's let's even be generous and say minus six. That would leave you with a 54 inch window. Okay. And if you want to be extra care, making them custom, if you made it a 53 inch window, that lets them shim on either side. If they got it a little bit off the center, the rough opening that they would leave maybe might be 54, but the window itself might be 53. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The chimney hood is the kind of style hood that you like. Yeah, I think over so. your stove. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the only reason I'm asking is sometimes designers put a chimney hood in the picture and it's not the kind of hood that you're getting. And then we don't have any place for your microwave. I assume that your double oven is going to be an oven below and maybe a speed oven or a microwave above. Correct. Yep. Exactly right. So is it going to be a speed oven above or? It's a, um, it's a microwave that has convection capabilities. Okay. And at the door, how does the door open? Does it, is it hinge from one side or how do you, how does it open? It, it comes down like a, like a traditional oven. It's just a smaller access. Okay. So just to warn you, the mistake that people make when they get that kind of oven is it's a convection oven. So you could be keeping your pizza hot in it, right? While you're cooking something below or whatever you're doing, that oven can be very hot inside too, because it's, yep. a, so when that oven door comes down, if you mount that oven too high, you will burn your arms every time you try to take something out of that oven. Yeah. So okay. the height of the bottom of that oven should never be above 42 inches. 42 inches for the oven. For the oven, for the, the speed up. Yeah. The other oven that you're going to be putting there is going to be 30 inches. Sometimes they're combined units. I don't know if is yours a combined unit or is yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So if yeah. it's a combined but, unit, you just probably want to mount it as low as possible. Maybe mount it okay. as low as you possible to keep the drawer on the bottom of this cabinet and then just mount it as low as possible. It may not be the most attractive place for it to go, but you can order a fake drawer front over the top of the ovens. But just, you have to figure out, I don't know how big it is, 
But that's just the one thing. When those ovens open down, that's uh can be problematic for anybody that's short or anybody that's trying yeah. to access them when they're hot. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it looks like they're using a two-piece crown molding, which is good. This is drawn up with a shaker design. Okay. And one of our challenges is um, we wanted to have like slab. It's a contemporary house. Okay. We were looking for slab and we we're really struggling to find. I was going by a lot of the recommendations you had on your site. Uh-huh. Of the, you know, the wood, the, the cabinetry and making sure it hits certain specs. Mm-hmm. And frankly, struggling to find a slab that meets well, those specs that's still like a value. Right. right. So right. you're going to have a problem with that. Yeah. But the other thing is, is if you got a shaker door style and you got this style hood and you got handles that were very contemporary and you got backsplash tile that's very contemporary, a shaker door style can look very contemporary. You wouldn't maybe want the cove crown molding that you have on top. Maybe you'd want an angled crown molding instead. Yeah. But you can make a shaker door look contemporary. But if you got the slab doors, usually the slab doors actually look better on frameless cabinets instead of frame cabinetry. And generally, the best buys that you're going to find are going to be in framed cabinetry because it's so much more popular. So if you're going to mass produce something, mass produce to make it accessible financially and be well made, make the thing that's really popular. <clears throat> so there's not that many well-made, inexpensive, frameless cabinets. In order to get yep. a well-made, frameless cabinet, you usually end up being in a more expensive cabinet line. Yep. Um, there's a couple of cabinet lines that are framed cabinet lines that make slab doors, but because of how the hinges work, on a framed kitchen, the door fronts aren't going to be as tight as in a frameless kitchen. And, you know, with these slab doors, it just looks so much nicer if the gap between the doors is like not a credit card thickness, but like a couple of credit cards, very, very tight. Whereas yeah. most yeah. framed cabinets, the gap is going to have to be almost a half an inch between. And a half inch isn't gigantic, right? but it almost a half an inch between the door fronts. Gotcha. I mean, we're considering carrying a cabinet brand that's very reasonable, that's less expensive than Fabiwood called Cubatech that has slab doors on a framed cabinet. So people have that option. They could get a very well-made cabinet. They could get it very reasonably, 20% less than Fabiwood, but they're going to have a slab door and they're going to have a half inch gap between the doors. So not the best looking. Whereas if you didn't get that brand from us and you were getting a slab door, you'd probably end up in Bishop cabinets with us. Bishop would make three quarter inch thick plywood cabinetry in frameless, which is the most durable construction that you can get in frameless cabinets. And they'll have every kind of door you might want. And they're not any more expensive for frameless than they are for framed, but they're 40% more than fabulous or, or maybe 30% at least. So that's not an uncommon issue that you're going to have. And there's a reason. The inexpensive cabinets that are well-made are being mass-produced to a market that is 
5% frame cabinets. We sell probably 5% frameless cabinets in our area. There's a lot of frameless cabinets that are sold downtown Philadelphia, but a lot of times they used to be Pogan Pole or very expensive brands, but they're out of business Pogan Pole now. They couldn't even support themselves down in Philadelphia. So yeah. the frameless cabinets are just not that accessible. You can't get a well-made one very easily. That's going to be inexpensive. There'll be lots of cheap so, ones, but they won't even be that cheap. They'll be more than Fabiwood, and they'll be made out of particle board and, and be terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, we almost went with a with a brand, and then read your reviews of that brand and Kitchen Craft. No, it was um, Marilat. Oh, Marilat, yeah, yeah. So then we were like, oh, let's avoid that, and then. Um, I saw the wolf cabinetry. But they're framed. You had they're framed. Yep. Right. And I saw so they the had cabinet brands that are going to be frameless that are going to have. And what kind of slab did you want? Like a, like a you know, a straight square. Slab. But I mean, what kind yeah. of finish did you want it to be? Oh, painted. painted. Painted white. Yeah, white and black. Probably we were thinking maybe. A darker color on the bottom and a lighter color on the top. We're still fighting over that aspect of it. So this, like a brand we used to carry, CNC. That's very inexpensive. We don't carry them anymore because they were having supply chain issues. They make a slab white and a slab black door style, but it's thermofoil. So it's a plastic coated cabinet because that makes it sort of contemporary and that makes it easy to clean. It also makes it easily damaged by heat. So if the seal of your oven goes, you worry that you're going to melt the cabinets on either side of your oven. Yeah. It's that sort of the thing when you get contemporary that if you wanted a white painted cabinet, that's that much more unusual. As far as I know, the best brand for you to be in that I can think of, we don't carry at the moment, but we will be carrying, which is Cabaco. So Cabaco has a white slab door. But again, when you get the white slab door, it's a frame cabinet. So you're going to have the bigger gaps. So you have to live with that. But then you'd have a really well-made cabinet and it would be inexpensive. And it would be a white slab door painted. Yep. You're going to have to pick your poison. Yeah. And a lot of times when people get white slabs, they're laminate doors too, you know, for mica. So that they're shiny. Yeah, so what's your opinion on a wood door versus like a like a CNC thermofoil door? Well, if you want it to be contemporary and you want it to be the most durable, the laminate doors, the Formica doors, are the most durable. It's Formica. You can't really damage it. And you're not my age. I'm sure you're much younger. It used to be that the Formica had a brown backing to it. Mm -hmm. So that these Formica doors had like were white on the front, but then they had like a brown line going around them. Well, they make the backing and the Formica on these doors now white too, so that you don't really notice the seam. And then once they're Formica, they're pretty much indestructible. They're not sensitive to heat. You're not going to melt them. They're going to be shiny. You can clean them really easily with Windex or anything that you want. It's Formica, right? So yeah. Like if you got a slab painted door, 
you're going to have all the problems that people have with painted doors, which is that, you know, the paint can easily get nicked or scratched. If it's a painted door and it's a slab, you can't really have the slab have very pointy corners because then the paint wouldn't stick there, right? It would be easily to rub off. So even mm -hmm. the slab door has to have a little bit of a rounded corner on it just for the paint to be able to stick. Whereas if it's from mica, it can be totally square. That's why the things that are really popular in a frameless slab door in white that are going to be mass produced are going to be like the Formica doors a lot of the time. Yeah. And then now you got something that's easy to clean. Um, if it's a well-made cabinet, like we sell Bishop, the one good thing is you're picking a door that's so popular that it's one of the door styles that's a little bit less expensive in Bishop. They have all plywood construction and you get solid wood dovetail drawers and everything else. So you get a really well-made cabinet and it's not that, much more expensive than Fabiwood, but it will be more expensive than Fabiwood because it's in a more expensive line. But that's sort of the choices that you're going to be stuck with. Yeah. Um, I had a question too about spacing with the fridge back mm -hmm. on the design side. Mm -hmm. So between like where the fridge is and and the peninsula, mm -hmm. that space in between, do you feel that's the is is that good? Should that be bigger? Should we cut back it on the peninsula? Yeah, you got plenty of room. I mean, if you leave yourself 36 inches, that's plenty of space and you have more than 36 there. Okay. Yeah. I think it was like 42, maybe there or something. Yeah, like that's that. fine. Okay. Anything 36 and above is fine. And 42 right. is certainly very comfortable. You know, the biggest thing I would do is I change the two wall corners. And if you change the wall corners to the 24s and the 15s, that's going to make it. Yep. Then you'll have maybe folding door cabinets in the corner or a corner, an angled corner cabinet. And then you'll end up with a 27 inch wall cabinet to the right of your oven cabinet after that. And then on the other side, when you're doing this, everything doesn't have to be crazy symmetrical. You've got 30, 30, 30, 30. That's nice, but it's more symmetry than you even need, really. So probably if I made that a 24, then you're gonna have you got you got 63 inches to end up in the same place where you were before. I would make it a 24-inch cabinet in the corner, then I would have a 33-inch cabinet, and then I would have an 18-inch cabinet after that. And now that 18-inch cabinet, the door is going to open to the left. So when you're at your stove, if you want to have oils oh, or, what you're saying. right, yep. the doors are opening in the wrong way right now. So you yep. can't get at them when you're standing at the stove. So if you have 24 in the corner, then a 33, then an 18, now you have a nice wide 18-inch cabinet. The door is going to open. You'll be able to get at it on the left side of the stove. Now we go to the yep. right side of the stove. And we're going to have an 18 again to start, right? But the hinge will be on the right-hand side instead of the left-hand side. And then right now, you're actually ending your wall cabinets with the wall that you're building. You're like six inches short of the end of the wall. So plus six, you really have six extra inches. You could go further down if you wanted to. You want to leave yourself 12 inches of space between the end of the countertop and a wall cabinet. So that when people are mm -hmm. sitting there, they don't have a wall cabinet in their face, but 12 yeah, inches yeah. is fine. 
So you have a 66 inches total. So if I took that 66 and I, I said minus 18 equals 48 inches that are left. So maybe what I would do is I would go 18 on the right side of the stove and then I would go 30 and then I would have another 18 maybe opening in the opposite direction. So somebody that was at the sitting at the peninsula could maybe grab something out of that cabinet if you they wanted to, like salt yep. and pepper shakers or something like that. Yeah. And then you'll have 18, 30, 18. So there'll be sort of some symmetry on the right side of the stove, but the doors will be all opening in a good direction. And then on the left side of the stove, you'll have 18, 33, and then a, a 24 inch corner cabinet or whatever. But that just works a lot better. Symmetry is good, but you don't want to have symmetry at the expense of function. Mm -hmm. No, I, I like the concept of at the stove, open for quick access. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then also as far as symmetry goes, now you got an 18 on the left side of the stove, 18 on the right side of the stove. With the design we were talking about, you have a nine-inch cabinet on each side of the stove too. So that's making it yep. a little bit more symmetrical around the stove as well. Yep. Overall, you sacrifice some symmetry, gained other symmetry. It's certainly no less symmetrical, just a lot more functional and okay. more storage. Okay. This is, man, so, you're, this is awesome. I love these suggestions you made. This is fantastic. So, um, cabinets you recommended for us to explore was like what, Cabico? Cabico, I um, guess. Yep. But, and, and Bishop was another, and, right? Are you located in our area? Yeah, we're in Chester Springs area, 40 minutes away. Yeah. We're pretty reasonable for cabinetry. So depends on where you're buying cabinetry. We're less expensive than a Lowe's or a Home Depot for cabinetry. Um, you know, not a lot less, but maybe 5% less. We carry Timberlake, yeah. which is the same as like a Shenandoah brand would be at Lowe's or American Woodmark is at Home Depot. So we sell that 5% yep. less. We're very reasonable for you know all the cabinet brands that we carry. And there's something to be said too for even if you're getting cabinetry, you know, you can use us and our podcast to help you. But if you're actually buying cabinets from us, then we're guaranteeing that everything fits. You have a lifetime warranty on all the cabinets that we sell. So even Fabiwood or the brands that don't have a lifetime warranty, we're warrantying them for life just because we know when we're yep. selling them that they're all upgraded and that's the only way we sell them. And then, yep. you know, a lot of times too, there's other things that come up along the way that we're helping people with. It's all the same money. Like who's installing your kitchen? Uh, we just interviewed a contractor that will probably act on. He's circling back next week. One of the ways to even save a lot of money is you get the design exactly the way that you want it. I mean, this is pretty close, but I would have several contractors bid on it. That's what makes contractors competitive. Their estimates are free. So they're coming out to your house. They're all knowledgeable. Hopefully they're all doing it for a lot of years. They'll all have some input that they give you. And then whatever input that they do give you, it was free. And then they'll all give you estimates and then you may end up hiring somebody very different. Even though I know a hundred contractors, I wouldn't just hire one. I would still have three of them bid my house. I even made the mistake once of hiring a contractor just to do some small work around my house. And once I was paying them by the day, 
suddenly he was coming at nine o'clock in the morning, but leaving at three. And then I come home one day and he's doing work on my neighbor's house. I didn't even get along with the neighbor <laughs> on one side of my house. And they've done a whole bunch of things that would make anybody want to pull their hair out. And here he's fixing their gutter for them, right, on the time that I'm paying him by the day for. It was foolish of me to even even consider that. I should have had him bid the job and had other people bid on it and then just hired the person that I wanted to. And then it would have been more professional. Once we stopped having it be professional, suddenly it wasn't working out so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that's another thing too, is if we came out the way we work, you have to put $150 down to have one of the designers come out and measure, but then somebody's measuring, checking your design, vetting the whole thing. If you're taking out a wall, they're checking to make sure what's in the wall generally, see if it's load bearing, see what's going to be involved. Is there ductwork in your wall that needs to be rerouted? What other stuff might we have to consider when we're redoing this? And then when they do the design, they do the design, they'll be able to price it all out exactly for you in any of the cabinet brands that we carry. You can see this thing in 3D, just like the Home Depot designer did, only it's costing you $150 to get three or four appointments with us that you should be getting a whole lot of information from. And then we can price out Jim Bishop, we can price out anything that we sell, and all that's part of the $150 deposit. And then if you want the plans and the drawings, like these guys gave to you from us, well, then you have to put down 10% towards the cost of the cabinets that you're buying from us. But at that point, you ha- already have the number. So you'd be able to, you're pretty smart, I can tell, and you have this plan. So you can reproduce things anywhere that you want to get pricing. And that's really why we do it for $150 is uh-huh. pretty much, unless people are going to Costco or someplace else, we're pretty much very reasonable for cabinetry. So we're not very worried about doing a bunch of work up front for people for the $150 deposit. So you can think about that too. Yeah, let me ask, so how long, two two final questions. So one, how long would it take from a deposit to plans drafted? We're not putting a design on the computer until we measured it. So I'm sure we can measure it next week. And I'm sure the following week you would have designs that were done and we could price it out okay. on all the different cabinet brands. The different brands that you might want to consider is like Bishop, but then Bishop is also going to take a little bit longer to get cabinets. So a lot of these yeah. brands like Fabulwood and some of the other brands are going to come very quickly. They'll come in three or four weeks. But generally, the way that you end up spending a lot of money and, and not spending it well is sort of rushing. You're better off taking your time I mean, how much better is your kitchen right now if they're talking to me for 45 minutes, right? It's a different kitchen. It's a lot better. The more time you spent working on it with somebody that's knowledgeable, the better it gets. And same thing with the contractors. If the contractor could start tomorrow, I worry about that. How come he's not busy? You want people to bid on the job. You want different contractors giving you input, bidding on it. You want to make sure that everybody's on the same page, you know, and then pull the trigger on starting the project and then usually by the time this contractor schedules the job it doesn't even matter what brand of cabinets you're getting the contractors are booked up for a couple of months and then they don't need cabinets for two or three weeks after that so no matter what brand you're getting there's plenty of time to get cabinets if this guy that you got an estimate from is going to be ripping things out very shortly 
I mean, it could be just luck, but unless he's a personal friend or something like that, when they can start so soon, there were contractors we've worked with that were very inexpensive. And I said, you know, God, you, you underbid the contractors we recommended. And you guys did an amazing job. I said, we'd love to recommend you. They said, that, they said, well, we'd love to do your jobs. I said, how booked up are you? They said, well, we're booked up like a year in advance. <laughs> I said, oh, that's too far for us. But I thought to myself, what a terrible businessman, right? It doesn't make no sense being booked up for a year in advance. Raise the prices that you charge people so that you're booked up maybe three months in advance. Then you'll make more money. Everybody will still be happy. Your customers won't have to wait so long to do your jobs. And that's a better business model. But if you're inexpensive and you're available, then that scares me, right? If you're expensive and you're available, well, that can be a bunch of reasons. That could be because you have a ton of different subcontractors that you use and you have a whole Rolodex full of plumbers and electricians and drywallers and carpenters and, and tile guys and everything else that you're doing because you're subbing the whole project out. And that actually makes you a little bit more expensive or significantly more expensive having that business model, but it allows you to be able to start pretty rapidly. But that business model makes you more expensive. If you're a small contractor and you can start really fast, then either you've gotten really lucky or there's a reason that you're not booked up. Yep. So yeah, whatever. So take all that. And if you, if you want, you can fill out the contact form on our website. Just mention that you're from the podcast and I'll know. And then um, I'll assign you to Chris or myself, one of the designers or, or Jeremy, one of the designers that's more experienced and maybe has construction background so that we can check on your load-bearing wall and some other stuff for you. And me ask this, you also got, you guys do bathrooms? We only get involved in people's bathrooms if they're doing a kitchen with us. But is it a bathroom, okay. a real bathroom, or is it a powder room? No, it's a, we have a master bedroom that is circa 1982. And uh, that whole thing needs to be designed. And it's got a weird five-by-eight tub that we're going to rip out. It's got a really small shower. And it's it's a sizable room, but it's just really poorly laid out currently. And we mm -hmm. can't get our head wrapped around it as far as what the best design would be. Well, if we're helping you with your kitchen, then I certainly have no problem helping you with the bathroom. There might not be enough cabinetry in it to really make a ton of sense getting cabinets from us, which is why we only do it if we're working on your kitchen. If you're buying cabinets from us, we're very reasonable for cabinets, but there's like a $500 delivery charge. So, mm -hmm. you know, $500 on a $10,000 kitchen is I'm looking at your kitchen with all of the cabinetry in your kitchen. And in fab, you would, you're probably, I don't know, in, in the shaker door style in fab, you would, this looks to me to be like 13, $14,000 in cabinetry, maybe at least. But if you're getting $14,000 in cabinetry or $13,000 in cabinetry, a $500 delivery charge is nothing. But if you're getting one vanity that's $500, you'd be much better off getting that at a Lowe's or Home Depot that Lowe's stocked some well-made vanities. And you could get your vanity and your top all for the price that you could probably get a vanity from us for. Yeah, and I, I think we'll probably make that arrangement today or tomorrow on the site. And then, okay. Um, yeah, and then I'll probably explore the Bishop line and then as well as 
the uh, you said there was one that was similar to the American heritage. Well, you know what I can do too is we're really considering carrying the the uh, Cubatech. We have all their literature. We could actually order them. We could pull the trigger on ordering them whenever we wanted. Oh, um, that'd be awesome. You might have to wait for a sample to come in of a door. Just I'm sure the rep would not would probably jump in his car with one if we said we were going to carry them. I mean, really, we're one of the bigger cabinet dealers. So everybody's looking for our business. They're pretty excited about us considering them. But yeah. we could show it to you when you're in. Oh, that'd be great. All right. All so right. just mention that that you're from the podcast. And then, um, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll probably what I'll do is I'll assign you to me, you know, just to, well, you got the feeling of how it is working with me. I'm a little bit blunt. So, uh, yep. it's, I uh, love the candor. So if you're okay, if you're okay with it, it saves time, right? So yeah. uh, it saves a little bit of time for everybody, everybody's time. Cause you're, my time is your time too. Right. So it saves a little <laughs> bit of time, but the other designers are definitely a little bit easier going. I mean, it's not their company. They can't maybe be as blunt as I might be. I'd but rather it's, you but it's be a, Kurt than I'd rather you be Kurt than timid, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, we make money when people buy cabinetry from us. So we can't really alienate them so much that they don't want it like us and don't want to buy kitchens from us. We have we still want their business, but if a lot of times if we're blunt or a little bit tougher on our customers, they actually end up getting better kitchens. And in the end, they appreciate it. So a, a lot of times I do less kitchens now. So I don't get as many reviews, but in the past, I used to be always getting these reviews, but I'm the one that's mean to the customers, but I'm getting all these great reviews because after their kitchen is done, they realize that, oh my God, I fought with Paul over this thing. And now look at this. It's so much better than it would have been that way. So in the end, it's always, it's not my house. It's always your house and you're going to pick the things that you want. If we're really lobbying for you to, to make one choice over another. It usually is something that in the end, you yourself will probably like better. Cool. So, okay. Right. So I'll, I'll look for your email and uh, and good talking to you. All right, Paul, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You'll, you'll see you uh, no problem, Eric. Good talking to you. All right. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Mainline Kitchen Design Podcast with nationally acclaimed kitchen designer, Paul McElary. This podcast was brought to you by Brighton Cabinetry. High-quality custom cabinetry at competitive prices. For more on kitchen cabinets and kitchen design, go to www.mainlinekitchendesign.com.